0: The Lord be with you. you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, Where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his native place and among his own kin and in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there, apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them, he was amazed at their lack of faith. The gospel of the Lord. To you, Lord Jesus In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Hmm. That's Nazareth, circa 30 AD. I wonder what Jesus would say if he came to visit the United States of America circa 2021. AD. Perhaps you've heard the phrase, the rise of the nuns, and I don't mean, you know, sisters who wear habits and live in uh, in convents, uh, none, uh, N-O-N-E, none, because asked what their religious preference or affiliation are, many Americans now say none. It's thought that 20 to 25 percent of American adults answer none. What's even scarier is that the younger generations, the millennials, all we got to do today, friends, is just look around us. The millennials are thought to be more like 35 to 40 percent say they are nuns. So here we are in a country which is one of its first basic rights is freedom of religion. People came to this country for freedom of religion, but now things have turned, and now we want freedom from religion. We want none of it. Raise your hand if you love our country. Of course we do. I do. What our country needs now though, my friends, more than it needs patriots, it needs profits. We need profits. And you might say, "Okay, oh, great, but what does that got to do with me?" I mean, maybe you pastor or church professional types. Ah, no 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 no. We're all prophets. See, because by your very baptism, you now participate in the threefold offices of Jesus, his work. So he's king, he's priest, and he is prophet, and you are a prophet. Okay, but what does that mean? Because we have a lot of ideas of what we think prophet means. Here's one of my favorite definitions. A prophet is one who expresses with human words the truth that comes from God one who speaks this truth in the place of God, in his name, with his authority. That's you. That's all of us who are baptized. We are prophets. And if you notice, our readings today, especially the first and last one, are about prophets. And so they apply to us. I want to go back, first of all, to Ezekiel as he's getting his call from God to be a prophet. First, it said that the Spirit entered into him. Being a prophet doesn't come from us. It comes from outside of us. The power, the authority, the gift of being a prophet, it comes from outside of us because the Spirit is given to us in our baptism, and then He enters us. But then it said that the Lord set Ezekiel on his feet. I love that picture. I love that. He, he's, that's a wonderful stance to have, right? He's on his feet, standing at attention before God, ready to listen, but also standing ready to engage the world that's around him. And then it says that he's sent. We're sent. We have direction. In fact, we have a mandate from God to be his prophets. But then here's the key. God says, You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. It's never, ever, ever. Well, here's what I think. These are my opinions. These are my ideas. It's it's always what God says, which means then we must let Scripture form our thinking and our words and our actions. Does it? Does it really? I wish many of us would spend as much time reading scripture as we do gorging ourselves on our favorite political cable news shows. Or trolling around and then spouting off on Facebook all of our different political ideas. Meanwhile, what polling suggests is that the views of Christians in this country really aren't any different than the rest of the secular world. Like we've adopted the worldview around us. For example, Forty-five percent of Christians say they think that abortion should be legal. Murdering the unborn. Fifty-four percent of Christians believe homosexuality should be accepted. Forty-four percent support same-sex marriage. Even though God's Word speaks clearly to all of these things, and many, many more. These aren't the nuns. No, no, these are self-identified Christians saying that, believing that. Which means not just our country, Christians need prophecy. We're the ones in rebellion. If we're no different than the nuns, if we think and we believe and we act according to the way the rest of the secular world, then what's the point? What's the point? Even if we say all the right things, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed the number of people who you know, get on their high horse about whatever the topic is. Oh, homosexuality, it's so terrible. Meantime, they're sleeping around, they're looking at pornography, doing whatever. Pfft. To be a prophet, to be a Christian means we must be distinctive. That's what we're called to do. We have a beautiful alternative to this self-destructive culture of death that's all around us. This world thinks it's so progressive, but look, friends, we know it is unraveling before our very eyes. We're the ones who have something to offer, which means we must speak truth like God's prophets. We must also live that truth. But if we do, we should be warned, because just like God says to Ezekiel, many of the people are hard of faith. I love that, hard of faith. Obstinate, rebellious. They're not going to listen. We better be ready. Rejection comes with the territory. I, I think we know that. But what's especially hard is when you're trying to reach your own people, those who are right around you, those in our own country that we love, sometimes even our own family. Jesus experienced that in his hometown of Nazareth, as we heard. They said, "Who's this guy? Eh? Who does he think he is? Who is he to tell us what we're doing? Where did he get this?" If only they'd answer their own question from God. He scandalized them. And if we speak with truth, though, friends, even with love, always with love, but when we speak even with love and compassion, many are going to still be scandalized and they're going to be offended and they're going to call us a bunch of haters. But see, the thing is, if you're not living in the truth, very few of us want to be confronted with the truth. Now, part of the scandal around Jesus was his extraordinary ordinariness. The hometown boy that they watched, up, watched grow up, right? I mean, what, what, makes him, what makes him any different than the rest of us? Well, nothing. He's a common carpenter. And yet everything. He is a prophet. Not just a prophet. He is the prophet. He is God himself speaking to them. This, then, should give us great confidence, because we have an extraordinary ordinariness about us too. I mean look, look around you. We're just a bunch of ordinary people, right? Some of us are retired, others of us got pretty ordinary jobs and occupations and we live in typical American neighborhoods. We're not the political power brokers, the policy makers, no. But we are extraordinary. Because we are prophets. We have the extraordinary word of God in us. We have his Holy Spirit, and God stands us up on our feet, and he sends us out and says, Tell them, thus says the Lord God. And we shouldn't be worried about whether we're successful or about any of the results. Mother Teresa once said, You know, God does not call us to be successful, He calls us to be faithful. Do we value faithfulness and truth more than we do success or being accepted or having influence and power and control? Are we more interested in staying comfortable and living our own little version of the American dream than, rather than risk rejection <laughs> or worse, maybe persecution, suffering, Those of you who were here last Saturday, of course, we had to go down to the basement because of all the bad weather. Thank God we have a much nicer day today. (laughs) But it got me to thinking, what if the day comes that we lose our freedoms and like a lot of other Christians in this world, we have to always worship in the basement? See, we may or we may not be successful. We might see a revival of faith in this country or we may see the collapse of a total society we have to leave those long-term results to God. But here's how he leaves it with the prophet Ezekiel. Whether they heed or they resist, for they're a rebellious house, they shall know that a prophet has been among them. Our country needs prophets more than she even needs patriots. With all the unrest and the instability that I know burdens and grieves our hearts these days, The question is, will they know that there has been prophets among them? Will we be faithful to the truth? No matter the cost, do we have that kind of courage? After all, why does God send prophets? To warn of impending doom and destruction? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately to save us from it. Sometimes from our own self-destruction to call us to repentance. He sent every one of his prophets and above all his son to woo and to win hearts, to call us back to him. He will accomplish that work. Our God will accomplish that work with or without the United States of America. But we hope with. And he will accomplish this work With or without the likes of you or me? But let's pray with.